Industrial revolution is happening now. Trying to make sense of the B2B technology, strategies, and trends that will be key to success? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Moonshot Exec. Here's your host, Kevin Pritchett. All right, all right, all right. Fantastic. This is Moonshot Exec, and I'm Kevin Pritchett. Welcome to my podcast, and I'm extremely honored again to have you share your precious time with me. If after you listen to this podcast, you'd like to subscribe, please go to my website, moonshotexec.com, to sign up for the email list, as well as subscribe to the podcast. You can also search Moonshot Exec on iTunes and now Google Play. This podcast continues my broadcast from the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, held the 21st and 22nd of January here in Vancouver. With over 8,000 attendees this year, the conference is the world's largest conference dedicated to resource and mining exploration. In this episode, I talk with Western Uranium, which is a near-term uranium and vanadium producer that is the third largest in-situ holder of historic uranium resources in the United States and the second largest vanadium holder. They also own a unique, patented ablation mining technology that provides notable efficiencies. Western Uranium is under the leadership of George Glazier, founder, president, and CEO, who is a 30-year-plus veteran in the uranium sector. In our increasingly digital, power-hungry world, both uranium and vanadium are key to low-carbon energy production and storage. George and I talk about Western Uranium's projects and metal market dynamics. I hope you enjoy this interview. Time for some wisdom from a key market player. Wisdom. So we're here with George Glazier, who's Director, President, and Chief Executive Officer of Western Uranium Corporation. So just going to start off with where your property is located, and can you describe some key aspects, just overall, general? Sure. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, anyway, our properties are all located in the western United States, right now in the states of Colorado and Utah. So we've got seven permitted mines ready to go into production. Some of them were producing as recently as 2010, uh, shut down when the uranium prices dropped. Right. Right. So, I mean, it really seems that Western uranium is, is very near term. Uh, it looks like you, you have the ability to build the first uranium mill in, in the past 30 years in the U.S. And you already have a supply agreement with a major utility. So, uh, how, how have you been able to accelerate that part of your, your strategy? I mean, it seems like you're really going for it now. Well, we acquired our first properties, these permitted mines, back in 2014, and we went public in 2015. Uh, and, and so the process has been coming along, becoming a, pub, a public company to raise the money to keep the company going and develop the mines. Yes. So the process, is, and of course with low uranium prices, we can't quite justify starting production. Right. But we've, we've also, in, in 2016, acquired an Australian company called Black Range uh, Minerals. Yes. That the primary reason to acquire that was because of technology they owned to reduce the cost of producing uranium oh, from right. the type of deposits that we own. Okay, great. So, given that, yeah, right now, prices may not be 
optimal, but um, what you see are key market forces that are driving greater demand or will drive greater demand for you know, your metals, uranium, and we'll talk about vanadium in a second. And what are some key geographic regions or industries where you see increased demand? Well, you know, I think the whole supply demand of uranium has got to be adjusted. And you hear, you know, Cameco, the big Canadian producer, has cut back production a significant amount. Maybe the Kazakhs have. They announced it. We're not sure they're going to follow through with it. Right. But cutting production around the world will, will eventually balance the supply with the demand, which that's the reason the prices are low. There's more supply than there is demand. It's a commodity. Right. So once it's in balance, then the price has got to go up to get enough supply you know, to meet the demand. And if you look at no, no producer can make money at $25. Cameco right. is a good example. Cameco is probably one of the best, if not the best producer in the world. And if they don't make money at 25 nobody else does. Right. And that's why I think they've shut down, saying when prices get to whatever level they need, they can turn that mine back on. Right. Makes sense. We mentioned uranium, and but you also deal with vanadium. Can you, can you talk about that and what are your plans for that? Right. Well, of course, the historic use of vanadium has been to alloy steel. Yes. And it's had a, you know, it's fairly steady demand and fairly steady supply. Prices vary. Uh, the secondary production of vanadium, a lot of it comes out of uh, the slag from steel mills. Steel mills yeah. uh, and when those things are, are, when the price is high, they afford to recover it. Price is low, they just scare, uh, scrap it out. Right. So they, it goes up and down. But now we've seen the vanadium price go up to over $11. Yes. And one of the key things there was when China ordered a lot of small steel mills to shut down, it, that, that supply of vanadium from those sources dried up. Right. Now, right. whether they turn back on, uh, you know, right now the world is short of vanadium. That's why the prices have doubled in the last year. Right. But production hasn't. So again, like any commodity, it takes a while to bring on new mines. Right. In our case, we have the same commodity. The uranium and vanadium occurs in the same mines. Right. So when we turn on for uranium, we'll be producing vanadium. We'll actually be producing five or six times the amount of vanadium that we do uranium. Wow. Okay. The grades are five or six times as high. Wow. So that's the, it's a real kick for us to basically say we've got a credit, even at $10 vanadium, the vanadium values in a ton of rock are higher now than the uranium values. Wow. Now that could change if uranium doubles in value, you yes. know, it, it balances out. But yes. we could primarily be a vanadium producer today if we turn the mines on, there's more economic value in the vanadium than the uranium. Right. And, and speaking of vanadium again, you know, there have been some concerns in the United States, especially about dumping of uh, ferro-vanadium specifically, and given that your mines are in western uh, U.S., do you see that as an opportunity for you later on once you get up and started? Well, they are. And, and what product we produce is B205. We don't go to the ferro-vanadium, but yes. that's a possibility. You know, we've been looking at the capital cost of putting in the barrel vanadium upgrading facility, but and it could be justified, you know, absolutely. And yeah, so yeah. I think that's one of the next things we look at is going rather than a B205 producer, a barrel vanadium producer. Makes sense. Great. Any other sort of key competitive advantages that you want to cite for Western uranium versus your, your other competition? Well, obviously, with the, the new technology called ablation, which basically reduces the cost of producing uranium from sandstone deposits, okay. 
With that technology, we've got a cost advantage over almost everybody, especially in the United States, if not in the world. Right. And that technology has, has been developed by some scientists in Casper, Wyoming. We acquired the technology. Okay. We commercialized it, and we're ready to turn that on as soon as price is justified, turning the mine on. Okay, great. I, I think that's it. Again, one of the things when you talk about uranium is you know, maybe potential lingering concerns after Fukushima Daiichi. Do you see that still sort of as an overhang over the market right now? Well, yeah, I, I think that is. You know, of course, they've only brought back five of their 54 reactors in Japan. It's coming back very slowly. The Germans have announced they're shutting all their reactors down. That's an overreaction. You know, Germany never had an accident, ever. Right. The Japanese accident was just simply, you know, maybe not planning ahead to protect those reactors from that. Yes. Uh, and, of course, the safety requirements initiated around the world as a result of that have made it more costly to build and operate these things. But, again, I suppose it's good to have those things built in right. uh, and be extra careful because we don't want another one of those uh, occurrences. No, absolutely not. Right. Mr. Glazier, thank you so much for your time, and and good luck, and, and you're in a really nice spot. So thank you. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Great talking with you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Thanks so much again to George Glazier of Western Uranium Corporation. Please also listen to my other podcasts from the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference already posted at moonshotexec.com. Thanks to Cambridge House, who put together a great Vancouver Resource Investment Conference this year. I wish you all a safe, productive, prosperous week. I'll talk to you soon. Again, if you like this content, please go to my website, moonshotexec.com, to sign up for my email list or subscribe to my podcast. Also, I have links to my social media there, including LinkedIn and Twitter. You can search Moonshot Exec on iTunes and on Google Play to sign up for my podcast. Also, please like my podcast on iTunes and Google Play. This is really helpful. Share it with your friends. As always, go out there and rock it.